I remember reading years ago about an evolutionary biologist. He was uh, saying that, you know, if you look at, for example, Neanderthals and you look at our other closest hominid relatives, it's only with Homo sapiens that you see, for example, evidence that we long before we knew we could even make it anywhere are like traveling on open water to like Australia. Basically, humans went to Australia without knowing it was there, without knowing it was there. They're going out on open water with a very high likelihood that they're going to die somewhere. What? No other species takes those kind Why? of risks. Because that is what we do. This has not been found or determined, but he argued for the existence of a Faustian gene in humans, which is like this this gene that pushes us to take these risks and, you know, expand what we can do, our capabilities, constantly striving. That's why we go to the moon. That's why we build the atomic bomb. Cars. That's why we <laughs> create garbage trucks. That's why we have trash day. I'd like to read you something. Uh-huh. What is it? Related to what you were just saying. See the line where the sky meets the sea? It calls me. And no one knows how far it goes. If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind me, one day I'll know. If I go, there's just no telling how far I'll go. Who wrote? What is that? Moana. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Jedediah is a man who once was a boy and he wrote down all his feelings in a diary to enjoy. Now he's reading it again, reading it for you. Maybe you'll recognize yourself too. Jetta Diaries, the Jetta Diaries, that's the name of this podcast. And now the song is through. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. I mean, I now realize that this is not the poem. <laughs> <laughs> a good start it's like 12 <laughs> lines in but people aren't gonna want to hear me read for that long but no. anyway yes they will okay yes they will they have no choice from the top no yeah okay from the top if people listen everybody if you don't want to hear tori reading the poem what is it called paul revere's ride if you don't want to hear tori reading part of paul revere's ride skip ahead 30 seconds <laughs> now you got the space to breathe from the top paul revere's ride by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Now, who is He was a him. 19th century poet. He wrote The Children's Hour as well. Which is? Between the dark and the daylight, when the night is beginning to lower, comes a pause in the day's occupations, which is known as the Children's Hour. Why? Why did he write that? Why is it known as the Children's Hour? This poem's about him at his writing desk. His kids are supposed to be in bed, and they're like upstairs having fun. Oh, they're fun. just messing about. Yeah. Oh. So he's annoyed. Well, not really. Grave Alice and Laughing Allegra and Edith with golden hair. From my study, I see in the lamplight something, something. Grave Alice and Laughing Allegra and Edith with golden hair. Oh, did you, does he say that twice or did you? No, I was, up? I pulled that line out and then I Whoa, situated it within the okay, poet. I, see, I, see, I, see. I, I would like everyone to know that that, that poem Tori was just reciting from memory, mm -hmm. which you may have figured out when he said something, something. <laughs> part of it no <laughs> okay uh, all right i'm sorry for the interruption yeah <clears throat> so this one paul revere's ride why do, you, why do you know that poem by heart 
Because we had to learn it in sixth grade. Great. <laughs> we did? I don't know if your class did. But I mean, did. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I did, I don't remember. I wish I was one of those people who could just... I can recite The Second Coming by W.B. Yeats, Part of Death's Echo by W.H. Auden, and that's about it. That's. I mean, that is... But I, I love those people who can just like I can't call up a poem and, and recite it. I always wanted to be one of those people. I think that you could with practice. I mean, you've been in plays. Yeah, but it's been a while. I know, but I'm saying you have the capacity. Mm-hmm. This is this is like saying, God, I wish I I wish I knew how to play tennis. <laughs> Nothing to be done. Yeah. Go play some tennis, man. <laughs> if you want to be a person who knows how, you wish that you could effortlessly memorize poems which honestly it's weird that you can't considering how good your memory is yeah but your memory is it's it's situated for a different kind of memory i guess yeah i'm surprised actually I, I, can, I, 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 can re- I can recite uh the i i did it on the podcast the opening lines of canterbury tales i guess i can do a little yeah, more. yeah i that. feel like <laughs> i want to point out that every few seconds you're remembering another poem that you have memorized <laughs> so Maybe maybe you're you're not so bad off. Maybe. But Paul Revere's right. It's <laughs> not one of them. <laughs> Tori's reading from volume nine of the bookshelf for boys and girls, which I recently bought several volumes of on Etsy. And this this volume is entitled uh, Great Events and Famous People. And who's more famous than Mr. Paul Revere? Paul Revere's Ride by H. W. Longfellow. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend... Wait, when did he write this? Uh, must have been 1850s, my guess would be. And when was... I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm checking his math. 75. So 75 years? Sure, yeah, at that point in time? Yeah. Probably very Life expectancy unlikely. wasn't what it Great. is today. Okay, it checks out. Yeah. Go on. That was a guess, by the way. I don't know if it was the 1850s, but that was a guess. I'm looking it up. Do you want me to continue whilst you look it up? I won't have your undivided attention. Oh, okay. Well, then hold. I've looked it up. January 1861. Mm, okay. Close. Close. Oh, at the, at the top of the Civil War. <laughs> All right. Where was I? Ah, yes. I wonder, do you think he chose, why was he like, ah, now's the time to write this poem about a thing that happened 85 years ago? Well, maybe he was like, our country has descended into chaos and turmoil. He he wanted to just remind people about the the last time we had a nationwide fight. Around the Civil War, there were a lot of feelings in the North, particularly, that we had lost our principles, our revolutionary era principles. So I think a lot of people were trying to cast back to that that time. The glory days. The glory days. Okay. Okay. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the Belfry Arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light. Oh, in Boston. I used to, when I gave ghost tours in Boston, I would point that out. Oh, really? Yeah. The old North End. Did you say Paul Revere rode by here? One if by land, and two if by sea. Is that real? Is that true? What? Did, well, did Longfellow kind of just pull that out of his butt as a like an interesting poetic device, oh, yeah. or or is that 
is that really what Paul Revere said? Did, yeah. Said and did. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Longfellow was the one who came up with that and then everybody sort of yeah retroactively yeah retconned it retconned it to the 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 history one if by land to you know when i was younger i remember thinking it was one if by land two if by sea (laughs) the whole thing which is yeah it just was like oh that's that's a little bit of yeah a little bit of old language stuck in there (laughs) one if two if that's how they used to talk it goes on but oh yeah no what else what then and then what and then what happens? Well, I'll try to sum up the rest. He says goodnight with a muffled roar. Uh, Who does? He says goodnight with a muffled roar? Yeah. Seems kind of counterproductive. The fate of the nation was riding that night. Oh. The fate of the nation was riding that night? Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. We're riding on that night, right? That's not how Longfellow had it. <laughs> how does it end? It was two by the village clock. When he came to the bridge in Concord Town, he heard the bleeding of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees. Uh-huh. He made it through the night. Pierced by... Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. But the bridge would be first to fall, who that day would be lying dead. What? Who would? Paul? You know the rest. <laughs> I don't! Long I really says, don't. In he the, does? In the books you have read, Long. <sighs> he's making a lot of assumptions about prior knowledge. Yeah. So through the night rode Paul Revere. And so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm. A cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo evermore. A word that shall echo evermore? Yeah. What word? British. He doesn't say. The British are coming? Is that in this? Now that's a good question. So there's two things every school child knows about Paul Revere. Yeah. One if by land and two if by sea. And the British are coming, screaming the British are coming from his horse as he gallops through the countryside. Not once is the British are coming. So what's that from? Longfellow is just assuming that that's common knowledge. You know the rest, the British are coming and so forth. Yeah, he's a poet. He's not going to, he's not going to state the obvious. (laughs) Elision is a... What? To elide. I don't know that word. To skirt something. Elision? Yeah. Spell it. E-L-I-S-I-O-N. So so far off from what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the poet elides. Oh. It's almost like alluding. Right. Is it related? Probably. Does Paul Revere deserve it? Deserve the glory? Yeah. Is Paul Revere truly a linchpin figure in American history? Or do we think he is because Longfellow wrote a poem about him? Now that's a good question. Yeah. Did Longfellow elevate Paul Revere? I mean, at this point, it's been over 150 years. Hardly a man is alive to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we know that we've got this poem. We've got the history books. We've got letters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about American revolutionary history to say what kind of primary sources there are. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't, you know, I don't really have... <laughs> shouldn't be talking about this, but when has that stopped me before? <laughs> I almost remember a teacher, and maybe it was the teacher who taught us this poem, mm-hmm. telling us that the myth of Paul Revere is actually much more significant and important than the person and the act that he performed. You know, it is a much more important story that we all collectively tell than... I yeah. don't think he was, yeah. as you say, yeah. a linchpin in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. I think he warned some people that the British were coming that specific night, but I don't think that was what turned the tide. Right. He could have literally knocked on a few doors. Yeah, and it would have had the same effect. 
and like that's a story that got passed down for for 85 years right longfellow knew of it mm-hmm. maybe from growing up probably mm-hmm. and one night he was sitting in his study pissed off that his children weren't going to sleep <laughs> and he was like i've got an idea for a poem to stop the civil war <laughs> and he was wrong <laughs> well i've got i've got a poem for you okay I have volume one in the bookshelf for boys and girls, mm-hmm. and it is uh, Nursery Favorites, Old and New. Mm. Now, this book was published in 1963, so oh. about 100 years after Longfellow wrote that poem. Mm-hmm. American Lullaby. There's no author cited. Hushaby, don't you cry. Go to sleep, my baby. When you wake, I'll give you cake. And lots of pretty horses. (laughs) Seems like a way to just make your baby go to sleep. Yeah. There's no way she's going to follow through. Yeah. There's no way the author is going to follow through on (laughs) giving their baby cake, let alone a lot of of pretty horses. Yeah. One will be red. One will be blue. One will be the color of mommy's shoe. Hmm. Brown? They could be any color. Yeah. The baby, presumably that this is being spoken to knows the mm-hmm. color of mommy's shoe. So yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter. Hushabye, don't you cry, go to sleep, my baby. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Longfellow. Yeah, that's much much more powerful. <laughs> um, I chose that one because there's horses in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thematically, I wanted to link it to Paul Revere's Midnight Ride. I'm just going to s- summarize that lullaby. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep. In the morning, I'm going to feed you a cake. And I'm going to give you a lot of horses, including, but not limited to, a red one, a blue one, and one that's the color of the shoes that mm-hmm. I'm wearing. Yeah. That, that's, I'm not sure why a baby would want the horses. That's a bu- I mean, that's a bunch of nonsense. But <laughs> And I mean, leaving alone the fact that red and blue horses don't exist. Yeah. I think lullabies, especially when the baby's comprehension is either low or non-existent. That's true. It's for a baby. It's more about the cadence. Regardless of whether or not the baby can understand you, yeah, I don't think it's good practice to just promise your baby a bunch of stuff that you have no intention on giving it. But yeah. then I was just thinking about, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's going to yeah. buy you a mockingbird. That is a litany of, <laughs> of lies, uh, yeah. of gifts with no intention, no intention of being given. What's after that one? Like, what uh, are some of that those? mockingbird don't sing? Oh, right. Mama's gonna buy you a diamond ring. Yeah, that's true. What kind of baby is this? <laughs> Who is and this if baby? that diamond ring turns to brass, Mama's gonna buy you a looking glass. Hmm. What color do you suppose Paul Revere's horse was? Does Longfellow say? No, he doesn't say. I suspect it was a tan steed. A tan colored steed. Oh, a mommy's shoe colored steed. Yeah. My proud steed is the color of mommy's shoe. <laughs> what? Sorry, Paul. What? Oh, my horse is brown. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, don't you have somewhere to be right now? <laughs> oh, you sh- <laughs> <laughs> We are, I don't know if you realize this yet, we're two-thirds of the way through the year and oh. two-thirds of the way through the Jedi Diaries. One-eth, two-eth, three-eth. If episodes of the podcast were those three horses from the the nursery rhyme, mm-hmm. the ones we'd done would be the red and the blue horse, and the <laughs> ones we have yet to do, the mommy's shoe, mommy's shoe colored horse, yeah. to start us down that horse path. 
This is week 36 of the Jedi Diaries, and I am your host, Jedediah Baker. I'm Tori Puckett. Let's find out what happened in New England 218 years after Paul Revere's famous midnight ride. September 4th. I got pretty far on DOTT, but now I'm stuck. <laughs> Nothing happened today. I went to Matt's. A woman in Morrisville was killed. Ooh, that's scary. That is scary. That is incredibly scary. My goodness, a murder in Morrisville. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this. You don't. No, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Do you remember this? I do. I do oh. remember this. What happened? Was the perpetrator brought to justice? The perpetrator was eventually, I think, if this is the thing I'm thinking of. How many murders could there have been in Morrisville? And- I think in there the night, were, during our childhood there were a few. Okay, a handful of murders. A that handful. sounds about in line. Yeah, with the, the national average. Mm-hmm. If this is what I was thinking, this was an unsolved murder for years. They eventually, through a, DNA, oh, a cold case, caught the suspect, <gasps> brought them to justice. Wow! But I think this woman had recently moved to the area, and she was jogging, and she oh. was she was murdered. Oh, that does sort of ring a bell. Jesus, yeah. that is so scary. Very scary. Oh my God, that poor woman. And again, yeah, the perpetrator was at large for like a decade. Whoa. But no longer. But no longer. September 5th. Mom is pissed off at us. (laughs) We went to Scott and Sally's pond party. I got a rash from a tube. (laughs) I I didn't finish my homework. No school tomorrow. (laughs) All right, we're right in the middle of this five-day weekend. I forgot about that. Who are Scott and Sally? Friends of my mom's. Okay. Do you remember me getting a rash from a tube? (laughs) Because I think I might remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that you probably were complaining about that rash, too. Do you think that's why she was pissed off at us? (laughs) Probably. I think it was maybe a fiberglass thing. Oh, okay. um, Which sucks. That's little shards of glass sticking itself under your skin. Like Nobody likes that. That That wouldn't be fun. I mean, I would be pissed off. Wait, are you talking about me or are you talking about my mom? Uh, both, but I was talking okay. about you. I was talking uh, about uh, you, actually. Uh, but like, I'm not pissed off. Well, I would be my pissed mom off. Is, my mom's pissed off at us. I know you didn't say you're pissed oh, off, oh, but oh, I was, oh, was oh, reading oh. between the lines. Oh, you're saying if you went to a pond party and got a rash from a yeah. tube, you, yeah. would, you would be I'd reasonably be... like, well, what the hell? Yeah. 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 And I might, might have been, and my mom was like, stop being so rude to our gracious host, <laughs> Scott and Sally. <laughs> Who let let you in their pond. And now you're just accusing them of having bad tubes. I didn't finish my homework. I don't have to. There's no school tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I just wanted to have like a, a, right, a, free a worry-free Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you made a promise to yourself that you didn't keep. Hey, Mom, if you remember why... And, and she's pissed off at us. Yeah. So Josie's also doing something worthy of being pissed off at. So Mom or Josie, if you remember what... We may have been doing to to piss you off, Mom, on September 5th, 1993 at Scott and Sally's Pond Party. Give the tip line a call. 802-851-9578. I imagine you just were causing a scene at Scott and Sally's. Maybe oh, yeah, fighting. Yeah. Just yeah, being we were probably just, just generally yeah, disagreeable. Recalcitrant. <laughs> September 6th. Mark is here. I'm done my homework. School tomorrow. Ah! I took Bodie out. Matt came over. 
we had fun. <laughs> Classic Monday off. Yeah. That could have been seventh grade. That could have been sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. You know, some, some things change. Some things stay the same. Mm-hmm. Being babysat. God, being in seventh grade and being babysat sounds a bit demoralizing, doesn't yeah. it? Finished my homework. Notable event. Took my bird out of its cage. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I guess I wasn't doing it that often. Maybe he just stayed in his cage a lot. Yeah. It's dreadfully dull. They were still on Bodhi One, right? What is it? One of the last times I was home, I found a notebook. Some sort of daily writing exercises we would do when we were in sixth grade. Uh-huh. And I read through it, and I found a couple of entries that sort of changed everything. Okay. <laughs> so you just asked if we're still on Bodhi One. Mm-hmm. The history of my parakeets as a child is that we had I had a, a parakeet called Bodhi who died, and then we got another parakeet called Spike mm-hmm. who we returned because he sucked, <laughs> and then we got another parakeet called Bodhi. This whole year. Like you, Tori, I've been assuming that this was Bodhi 1. Yeah. That his death was in the future and Spike and Bodhi 2 were still to come. Looks like we have a notebook. I have got a golden notebook. It says hot ice on the front. Yeah. So. Looks like some good good intel. Yeah, this would have been handy to have earlier in the year. Yeah. So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the entry from September 18th, 1992, which at this point is almost a year before um, where we are now in the diary. Mm-hmm. Last night I got a parakeet. While I was doing my homework, Dad said, "Could you take 15 minutes to do something with Dad?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And he said, "Stay right there." So I just sat there, and then I heard a weird sound. I looked over toward the door, and I saw Dad's hand holding something moving. Then I said, it's a bird. And it was. <laughs> okay, so that tells us that you got Bodie in September of 92. It does. So, very reasonable. It's a year later. Right. Bodie should and could be alive. Mm-hmm. November 23rd, 1992. Okay, I'll be here two months after Bodhi was brought home. Bodhi, my bird, died. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's horrible. <laughs> and I don't know what else to do with myself. Two I, months. I didn't have any pictures of her. Oh. She didn't learn any tricks. <laughs> oh, God. Then I got a bird, and he was named Spike. He got sick. Now I have a six-week-old bird. He doesn't have a name yet. Josie turned 10 yesterday, and then it's just wow. some other things. All in the span of two months. Yeah, yeah. Bodhi 1 didn't even last two months. Wow. And Spike? Spike came and went. Spike was very strong and very mean, and I don't remember him getting sick. I thought we returned him because he was just, like, unpleasant to be around. Yeah. But, yeah, so this is Bodhi 2. This has always been Bodhi 2. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Doesn't that totally recast your, like, expectations Mm -hmm. for my bird relationship? I mean, I feel, honestly, I feel bad for Spike. Why? He really sucked. But he was a difficult bird. I know. He was just very, he hurt. When he bit, he hurt. This reminds me of a line from ER. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's hear it. 
I think this is a conversation between Anthony Edwards and Eric LaSalle. Okay. I can't remember who says what, but one of them says, how can we help people who don't want to be helped? And you're like, oh, that's a good point. But then the other one says, those are exactly the people we should be helping. The point is... I don't have a responsibility to help a, a, a parakeet who's unpleasant to be around. <laughs> I don't know the point. I'm not my make. problem. <laughs> yeah. Look, the point is Spike wasn't like Bodhi one. And the bird who, when I got it at this point was still an unnamed baby mm-hmm. <laughs> who I wonder if I sang lullabies to, you know, I love that he didn't have a name. And then eventually we we're just like, eh, Bodhi yeah. again. Yeah. I'm shocked that Bodhi One only last lived for less than two months. That's not what I I don't remember that that Our, being such a brief time with yeah, her. Yeah, I'm with surprised. Her. I'm surprised too. Are parakeets very difficult to keep alive? Are they, I mean, apparently they seem to be delicate. Yeah, Bodhi One scared herself to death. She was trying to get some food underneath her seed dish, and she we found her like underneath it. Oh with like the the feathers on her head sort of pushed up like she'd been trying to uh, she get trapped uh, yeah she'd been trying to remove herself and couldn't do panicked. it poor thing so yeah. a heart attack probably yeah she scared herself to death yeah but spike got sick Bodhi two got sick i mean you know they're birds they should not die that fast but mm-hmm. but you had Bodhi two for a while i mean we've had i've had Bodhi two for 10 months at this point yeah that just changed that changed my expectations so a lot of the things you remember or you thought you remembered about Bodhi one obviously were yeah i clearly Bodhi had two all along yeah i had hardly any memories of, about of Bodhi one i couldn't i didn't have time to make them you didn't realize that either no i definitely you've been didn't. we've been waiting for Bodhi one's death this entire year yeah it's not coming no it's behind us it happened i guess i never knew Bodhi one like i like i thought i did yeah i mean it's Bodhi two all along they were pretty much the same <laughs> September 7th. I took Bodhi out. I'm not going to do soccer. I'm going to do drama club. So are Matt and Tori. I hurt my neck in gym. (laughs) I'm quitting TKD in a month. Good. (laughs) We finally have a date. Yeah. I wonder why a month. I wonder why you don't just quit it now. Maybe you have to give a notice. Maybe your parents said that's the responsible thing to do. Yeah, well, and also... (laughs) Four weeks? I don't think so. I think maybe I'm just trying to make it to a year. I see. I think that might be... That's a secret plan I have. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm out there oh. stating, <laughs> yeah. I've got a month left of Taekwondo. Yeah. I think I've got a month left until it's been a year, and someone made me promise to try it for a year. Oh, I see. So I, I'm counting down the that days, basically. Yeah. Drama club? Drama club. I mean, this is the start of something big. Mm-hmm. This is the start of something great. Yeah. For you especially. Yeah. Like, theater was my driving interest Mm -hmm. for a long, long time. Through the rest of high school, through college, for several years after college. Mm -hmm. I still love it. I haven't been in a play in a few years now, but I have every intention of getting back on stage. Yeah. And this this is it. I don't remember even considering doing soccer. I'm not sure why I state that I'm not doing soccer. Yeah, yeah. I say it as if it's something we should know about. <laughs> like, I wonder if he's going to do soccer or not. No, he's not. Like, <laughs> first we're hearing of this, <laughs> and you're not going to do it. That's good. What if I'd done soccer? What if I'd said, I'm not doing drama club. I'm doing soccer. <laughs> Matt and Tori are, too. <laughs> we would have quit within the month. Yeah. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I was, I was bad at a lot of sports, but 
I wasn't bad at any sport like I was bad at soccer. <laughs> it's hard with your feet. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I never understood how to dribble the ball. <laughs> the only goal I made was on the opposite for the opposite team. <laughs> well, I mean, that's. I was going to say it's better than nothing, but it's not. It's no, actually it's worse. worse than nothing. It's worse than nothing. <laughs> well done. I mean, you know, there wasn't a drama club in sixth grade, so no, it's true. This this seems all right mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Hurt my neck in gym. <laughs> I spoke too soon. <laughs> Never hurt my neck in gym in sixth grade. This is terrible. September eighth. Today was Hat Day. Wow. Toby stuck his claws into my head. I took a shower. I went to Taekwondo. Mr. Bane is so stupid. Grandma is here. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bane, our computer teacher. Just trying to teach us computer? Yeah. What's my problem? Yeah. I remember... <laughs> he seemed... I remember him being, like, kind of strict. And I think he was that, I imagine that's why yeah. I was I was tagging him with the epithet stupid. Yeah. So stupid. Yeah, he probably didn't deserve it. Look, all I want to know about this day yeah. is what is hat day? I think it's probably a school spirit day. It's like crazy hair day. Just my just guess. The, just a way to, like... Just a fun group. Everybody wear a hat. Also... Come in with whatever hat you want. Hats were... Verboten. Here's a bunch of hats. Hats were not allowed. Oh, you were not allowed to wear hats. This is it's like a casual Friday. So I think this is right. They lifted the hat ban for a day. Okay, so it's less a school spirit day than like I know you all want to wear hats. You yeah. can't normally. Yeah. This is a day in which you can wear hats. It is a casual Friday situation. But would hat day sounds like to me a celebration of hats. This wasn't a day that you could just the one day a year you could wear your regular ball cap in. This was a day where you would like you wear a tiara or a top hat. No, I don't or, think so. I mean, no? you, you could. Hat day is the day that you can wear a baseball cap if you want. I mean, you can wear whatever you... You could wear, presumably, whatever hat you wanted. But did we? Probably not. So you're saying that this was a day that people would just come in with, like, their regular ball caps, not some, like, extravagant hat extravaganza. Uh, my guess is whoever made this decision, the principal, say. Yeah. The junior high principal. Yes said tomorrow is hat day attention students right i know normally hats mm. are not mm-hmm. allowed mm-hmm. tomorrow wear whatever you want on your head whatever you want yeah and maybe three students wore wacky hats and everybody wore baseball caps and he was probably like okay well you could you know you could be wearing a trilby right now but you're all wearing baseball caps <laughs> but if that's what you want <laughs> it's your hat day kids your, <laughs> could be wearing a stove pipe I mean, I I think if I'd worn a hat, mm-hmm. I would have said, I wore this kind of hat. Yeah, you probably just observed other. I want maybe. my memory to be that I wore a ridiculous hat. But, <laughs> yeah. but I I think I think my, I think the picture that was painted in my head when I read the words "hat day" is not, not even close to reality. Now, some years later, we mentioned last week the people who campaigned on the platform of mirrors in every bathroom. Yes. I don't know if it was the same Hat Day Fridays. Well, someone's platform was basically we are going to lift the ban on hats. I'll lift the hat ban. And they coasted to victory on that promise. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to figure out what these kids want. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember, but the last two years we were in high school, hats were allowed every day. Why weren't they allowed in the first place? I don't know. I think it was like 
decorum. Decorum. Yeah, it's just rude to wear your hat inside, mm-hmm. kids. But again, I mean, they could wear whatever hats they wanted, and most people were probably wearing. I would say 99% of the people were wearing baseball caps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. If, if you're allowed to wear hats, you're just, it's not like a, it's not a holiday anymore. It's not right. an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, you tell me one day a year I can wear a hat, I'm going to wear the wildest hat I can yeah. find. Yeah. Okay? I'm not going to wear a baseball cap. Mm-hmm. But I suppose if there's only one day a year that you're allowed to wear a hat, a baseball cap is ex- as exciting as anything else. Right. It's just it's new. by it's nature novelty. of being a hat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've come around. Yeah. September 9th. Nothing happened today. I went to school. <laughs> Sean likes Ani. Mm-hmm. He loves her. Mm. He is stupid. I woke up late this morning. The alarm didn't go off. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got some romance drama in seventh grade. (laughs) One of our classmates likes another one of our classmates. Not only likes, loves. I think that's stupid. I I, think he's stupid for loving. Well. What's my problem? What is this, the fifth day of school? Around there. was new. Oh, okay. So he'd only known her for five days. Yeah, that's stupid. He couldn't have loved her. That is a little stupid. Five days? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, love at first sight. Yeah. I suppose. September 10th. We rented Jurassic Park for Sega. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I played with Bodie. Tomorrow is Saturday. I'm tired. I don't have any homework. I'm tired. Jurassic Park for Sega. One of the few video games I do know. Oh, tell me about Jurassic Park for Sega, Tori. You could either play as Alan Grant or... Or the Velociraptor. Mm, I remember. And that is about all I remember. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's about all there is to remember. Yeah. 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 But it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. Just running about Jurassic Park as a human or a dino. Mm-hmm. End of the second week of seventh grade. Yeah. And um, renting video games, playing with my bird, and being tired. You're settling in. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like life Life continues life, on. We life can, continues. We can get used to anything. Yeah. Adaptability. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was expecting this big uh, seismic sort of shift, but you know, you're right. You've you've quickly returned to form. <laughs> yeah, so far it feels like the old days. Mm-hmm. To end this episode, I've got one more um, piece of poetry I'd like to read. And the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. It's like the tide always falling and rising. I will carry you here in my heart. You'll remind me that come what may, I know the way. I am Moana. Jedda Diaries, the Jedda Diaries, that's the name of this podcast. And now this episode is through.